You can listen to The Professional Left on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There is a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for January 24th, 2014. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from way outside Liberal TV, where Mrs. Alan Greenspan has just broken away from Jane Harmon in Davos to go live to the Justin Bieber arraignment. Not kidding. It's the professional left with Drip Glass and Blue Gal. Yeah, you didn't make that up. No, I didn't. Just it's amazing. just amazing. Everything that's wrong with liberal television. Uh, everything that's wrong with television, period. Yeah, Absolutely. but... Just I, awful. I want my little oasis in the corner. <laughs> you want it to be mine. I, want, I just want the bullshit quotient to be slightly lower than it is now. That, that well, we have to put Joe Scarborough on because something, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want that. I'm not going to get it because, you know, hell, I'm not, you know, we still have lockup. Yeah. There's this big Well, gap. and let's face it. Let's face it. You know, it's not just the problem of breaking away from Jane Harmon and Davos to talk about Justin Bieber. No. It's it's breaking away from unemployment stories. Yes. To talk to Jane Harmon and Davos. Yes. <laughs> That's also the problem. You know, it's Mrs. Alan Greenspan. It's Mrs. Alan Greenspan in Washington talking to Jane Harmon from Davos, you know, instead of why are we cutting food stamps and unemployment benefits. Why? And why is one party insisting on that? Not both sides. One party is. Oh, Jane, how are the rich people doing? Oh, they're doing great. Look at the cheese. Look at the, look at the chocolate. Yeah. And, and, you know, this whole thing with McDonald and the shopping, I I love what the daily show did of showing McDonald talking about how we got to tighten our belts. Yeah. Can't live beyond your means. You can't, you can't spend more than you make. And then cut to his wife. Bergdorf with millionaire's money. Yeah. And and telling people we are so over on our credit cards and I am this is I need that money right now. Yeah. We I need advice on how to spend more money on my dresses for the inaugural. Well, we got pro- and then cuz we're broke. We need to talk about Joe Scarborough and that yeah. because we've been actually watching Joe Scarborough this week and I want to say one thing in Morning Joe's defense, they never disappoint me. That's true. They are as predictable as the cesium atom in Man. Colorado. And, and it has been, um, I have finally found a filter by which I can watch Morning Joe because for a long time, turning that on just increased my blood pressure to the point of, oh my God, I can't, I, ha- I can't do this because I'll just be screaming all morning at, at me Scarborough in my uh. head. And uh, I finally figured out that if I watch it from the standpoint of how are they going to... First of all, you can just play a game, count the both siderisms. You did that the other day. Uh, what does it look like from the bubble? Here's how the perfect place to find out what does it look like from the bubble is Morning Joe. Yes. And so here is Micah Brzezinski talking about her mother who borrowed clothes and bought secondhand and didn't care what other people thought when she went to Washington cocktail parties. That's right. It was sackcloth <laughs> and ashes. We were poor. You know, And I'm sure they were upper middle class. Oh, yeah. Well, any other Brzezinski had a job and good for him. Yeah. I don't have anything against uh, the Brzezinski family in that regard. But 
and and good for his wife for not caring that she had the, to overcharge yeah. the credit cards, right? That's a big no. He didn't he didn't believe in credit cards. The idea that you would then make excuses, oh yeah, it is hard to be in public life and uh-huh. have to look a certain way and have to live a certain lifestyle. And no, the point is that the governor of Virginia, as you have said to me many times, had rich friends, right? Who were very rich friends who were yes. more than willing to shell out for access for friendship, for whatever the purpose was, during a time when this governor represented the party of cutting food stamps and cutting unemployment benefits. Yes. And while... During a financial depression. And, and while... Most people. His his public voice was all about cutting, 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 because deficits and poor people, and, you know, you can't be living beyond your means in big government. While his private voice was all about, shit, I need more money. Who can I squeeze? Who can I lean on? Which of my rich friends can I beg for more bling? Yeah. And and the fact that it didn't occur to him that those two worlds had anything to do with each other yeah. 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 is is exactly well, first of all, it's it's pure beltway. Secondly, it's pure GOP thinking. It's pure, distilled, perfect. This this week has been full of refined, perfected GOP thinking out there in public. And and would you dovetail right into Glenn Beck now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, 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 this was a golden moment. It was. And it was. and by the way, we are not going to talk about the Super Bowl or any football players today. No. Because we're, we don't care. Speaking of thugs, of talk thugs. about Glenn Beck. Well, once upon a time, Blue Cow, <laughs> many, many hundreds of years ago, uh, no, within living memory, mm-hmm. within very recent living memory, there was a guy named Glenn Beck uh, who was crazy, who was who of all the crazy people, all the people who, who made a living whipping the pig people into an unholy frenzy mm-hmm. for Roger Ailes to harvest as money, ratings and votes. Glenn Beck really was head and shoulders above everyone else. He was, he just went on television every day, went on radio every day and pulled wild ass conspiracy theories out of his ass and wrote them on a chalkboard and did, uh, had a, you know, it was a prop comic of, of the highest wingnut order and would pour gasoline all over things and threaten to kill things and talk about Barack Obama hates white people. And he made a living. He, he rallied an entire army of imbeciles on the Washington Mall. And this is how he made a living. He made a living by whipping paranoid imbeciles on the right into into a complete frothing mess and then made another fortune selling them gold Mm -hmm. and seeds Mm -hmm. and his line of incredibly crappy threshold edition books. And university education online for Glenn Beck University. And then wasn't he doing some sort of town where people could go? Yeah. It was his, uh, it was his Randite Epcot mm-hmm. Center. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, could, I couldn't remember. Was it called uh, Potemkin Acres? No, it wasn't called was Potemkin Acres. <laughs> I, I thought it might be called Kim Jong-un's Water Park oh Adventure. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, was it, it? No, it was it was, uh, it was Outer Mordor. No, was it? But it was called Independence USA. Yeah. And it was his vision of the future where he would plan a community for uh, apocalyptic lunatics to gather and give him money. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the uh, it, very it was, good at scooping up money from the pig people. Yeah. For, very good at marketing his brand. Yes. To people that are par- like you said, are paranoid 
And and we started reading the book about Roger Ailes this yeah. week, yes. the loudest uh, voice in the room, I think yes. it's called. Uh-huh. And there's a paragraph in the prologue of that book that talks about how the secret of Fox's success, and this goes for Glenn Beck as well, is the viewer sitting on the couch is the hero of the story. Yes, yes. You are uh, a victim of liberal conspiracies, big government, and we will rise again and defeat the powers that are holding us down. And yeah. your part, and, and you become the hero, the battle warrior against the big enemy, it, big government and Obama it, and everything else. Yeah. And a term that the 15 year old would understand. Mm-hmm. Conservatism is a first person shooter game. <laughs> yes, it is. Where you sitting on your Barca lounger are the hero yeah. of yeah. your own adventure. And all you and, have to do is turn on Fox and you're. And, and no matter what happens, when it goes wrong, and it always goes wrong, it's always because of the secret liberal Emmanuel Goldstein conspiracy yeah. out there to yeah. rob you of your liberty because freedom. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and Roger Ailes has created a generation of millions of mindless morons who will who will believe this. And it doesn't matter if you change the propaganda every week to be the opposite of what it was last week. They don't remember. The yep. part of their brain that allows them to remember the past and shit they said is gone. It's been lobotomized. And, and nobody – marketed this per, more, more perfectly. Um, on my blog, I say that that this is the guy that Roger Ailes hired to make Lonesome Roads look like William Sloan Coffin. Mm-hmm. He he was hired to, to whip them up, make them dumb, feed their paranoia, and then suck them dry. Mm-hmm. And he did for, year, for years. He did, the, he did a great job. He made a fortune doing this. But now he's apologized. And now he's gone on Fox News, of course, for about three minutes. To say I I was I think I was part of the thing that made this country so sad, you know I didn't realize that we were you know we weren't all together on this and you know I I I regret I regret if anyone was hurt from the bombs I threw. Right. By the way, I'm keeping the money, <laughs> um, I'm keeping the ratings, I'm keeping my radio show, but I'd like to regret if anyone took offense at the horrible things I said and the crazy ass conspiracies I sold to to imbeciles for money. But I have an even more cynical analysis of what's happening here, which is that Glenn Beck is a smart guy in terms of understanding what's going to sell and how to manipulate his audience. He knows how to do that. Uh And I think he is preparing his audience for a time when they will not have a black president to hate anymore. What do we do then? Right. And and he's reintroducing the cooling unit. Yeah. That you talk about so much. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, well, we really don't want to be divisive. We really are one nation and we're all together. And once a white president is in office, even if it's Hillary Clinton and the Hillary hate can go on in a different direction well, it's forever. It's and it's Clinton, Clinton hate and it's Clinton yeah. hate and it's woman hate and it's misogyny and it's all kinds of things. But white supremacy can take a breather at that point. White supremacy will just wear a different hat. Yeah, well, the that's same it. people will hate, hat, will, hate, will hate Hillary Clinton for a different reason. Yeah, and they'll hate her as hard as Barack Obama. But he's preparing his audience for that. I think that's what's happening. Well, it's, he's going to be a uniter, not a divider, so that so that he's preparing his audience for a change in hats, as you put it. Well, I and think that's what he's doing. And and he so he went on the 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 friendliest network to Fox mm-hmm. to, to him there is the one that that got him made him a rich man and. 
But we want to talk a, about how Morning Joe responded yeah, to this. And, because and he shed a few crocodiles, and they devoted an entire segment, Squint and the Meat Puppet, as they are called, devoted an entire segment to how fucking awesome Glenn Beck is. Yeah. And you know, I can say that, Blue Gal, says Joe Scarborough, <laughs> because no one has been more critical of Glenn Beck than I have. And and they just Which just made my mouth fall open. It was what they kept they kept saying this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. This is huge and it's huge. And and Joe Scarborough's reasoning it it is authentic frontier wingnut gibberish. It is just it is it is word salad. It's a Mad Libs with stuff that he had in lint that he has in his pockets because he said, look, it's a big deal because. Because Glenn Beck has so much money. He's he so made 90 much million, money. He's worth $90 million. He's, so, worth, you know. he's worth more than Joe Scarborough. So he's yes, so. automatically more credible than Joe Scarborough. Yeah, and Joe yeah. Scarborough's mine. And, you know, therefore, he made he made all this money he, so he didn't have to do this. But even if he... even if, He did it from is, a position of strength. Yes. But, and this is the part, this is where I just went, oh, honey, you have to hear this. <laughs> um, even if he's lying, that's yeah. still good news for John McCain. Because, <laughs> because and mind you, this entire time, Harold Ford Jr. is sitting in his box of Hollywood squares, which is how they arrange the pictures of people, just looking like he's taking a warm urine shower. <laughs> oh, I feel the, the glorious centrism bathing. Outside. Because the centrism hasn't come up yet. The fake both-sider stuff. This is just how awesome, how fucking awesome Glenn Beck is for admitting that he might have made a mistake at some point. But even if he's lying, that's still good because – He's smart enough to know there's a market for that lie, which means that there is hope for the future and for something, something capitalism. The construction of that sentence was so fascinating that yeah, even, even if he's if, lying, even if he's lying, even if he's just making this up, it's still good. He's still awesome. Because he knows there's a market for reuniting our nation. There's yeah. a market for that. And then came the slop trough. You know, I, I put on my blog, usually they just ladle it out one cup at a time. <laughs> they they upended the entire slop trough of centrism in and one I, go. They and burned... I, lo I loved how you said they, they uh, just allowed the entire tank of poison to leak into the river. Oh, yeah, because Glenn Beck apologized for something, and therefore both sides are just as bad. Yeah. They said both sides five times. Five times, because foaming at the mouth uh, is what sells on both sides of the aisle. And there and there are a lot of bullhorns out there on both sides that might have led to some of the strife we are seeing. People watch shows on the left and they watch shows on the right, and there's a lot of nonsense spewed out there. And people on the left and people on the right follow people who peddle extreme messages. And they follow them over the cliff. Follow both sides over the cliff. And you know yeah. what the problem is, honey? The problem is, right now, there are people out there who are doubling down on the extreme talk, wait for it, on the right and the left. And, uh, Glenn Beck's a powerful force out there, and... And Joe Scarborough's glad he's saying what he's saying. It just didn't stop. They just kept beating this, and it's the left. There are people out there. Well, and of course, being that this is liberal television, ha, 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 there was absolutely no one on the set to put a staple gun to Squint's forehead and say, I'm going to start pulling the trigger on this thing and stapling your fucking head to the desk unless you tell me the name of five people on the left who are as bad as Glenn Beck. Yep. Starting now. Name names of people who are peddling extreme rhetoric and name examples, or I'm going to pound your fucking skull into this desk. Starting now. But that doesn't happen because that's why people like us are never going to be on within well, shouting who, distance of anyone. Which person on the left has one third of the audience of Glenn Beck? Well, which, which person on the left spends hours, yeah. hours 
with chalkboards inventing wild ass conspiracy theories. Well, and what there was one person I I can't remember who it was on the panel who said Glenn Beck is crazy. The drunken Mike Barnacle. But but he said, you know, there are people out there who follow him like sheep. And of course, the pivot on that is yes, on the left and on the right, there are people out there who follow extremes on both sides yeah. like sheep. Yeah. And of course, no one no one ever tracks Joe Scarborough down to a coffee shop, shoves a camera in his face and says, tell me who the left extremists are right now. And here's where I really get pissed at my liberal team because there's no, there's no place for us out there. There's no place for liberals out there. There's no place for this conversation uh, in, the larger, in the larger world. There is a big place for it, but it is actively being blocked from being held anywhere in a large public square because money. Yeah. And that's why <laughs> that's why the few actual credible liberals on my liberal TV are never going to drag Joe Scarborough in front of a camera. I'm never going to say, you know, the guy who works on this network during the morning who said all this shit. Well, that, it's stupid and it's wrong and it's crazy. They will talk about conservative lies and they will occasionally talk about the bullshit of both siderism. But at no point will anyone will Chris Hayes will will Rachel Maddow. Will Lawrence O'Donnell ever say David Gregory is the problem? Joe Scarborough is the problem because that's the day they get the call from the head office that they don't work there anymore, which means the idea that it's always the fault of both sides is always going to be the default position of our media. And therefore, people who do not follow politics with any degree, with anything like the rigor that we do, the people who just want to feel like they know what's going on, who flip this on, listen to the Sunday shows and go about their lives as normal people should, will always have a narrative that if they're conservative, it's because liberals are monsters. And if they're not conservatives and they're not liberals, it's because both sides. And and as we'll talk about in a little bit, defeating a narrative is so much harder than defeating a fact. Yeah, we're, and we're going to get into that right away. Yep. I just want to I, – I, on purpose, do not bring up Ann Coulter ever on but, my blog uh, or here. But there was a funny this week with, regarding Ann Coulter in that you you actually switch back and forth from Morning Joe to Fox to see the difference Yes, from time to time. Yes. And what was hilarious this week was switching from Morning Joe over to Fox and Friends and seeing Ann Coulter saying that MSNBC never has any conservatives on. Never. <laughs> and that's the difference between Fox and MSNBC. During MS Morning Joe. <laughs> and that's the difference between Fox and MSNBC, honey. MSNBC never has conservatives on the air. <laughs> ever. Says Ann Coulter. Says and again. While well, Morning Joe was on, she said that. So, mm -hmm. um, Let's talk about uh, winning the facts and winning the narrative. And particularly, we have a local story to talk about. We do. We do. Uh, let's talk about the local politician who, bless his heart, and I say that in the Southern way, yeah. uh, is 33 years old and running for uh, running a local race. Very but local. he had a, he had a, there was an article in the paper about him meeting with voters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At a local restaurant, a local eating establishment. And, and we won't, we won't ask them to guess which party. All no. right, let's not ask him. No, but let's assume that's 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 the contest. And tell us about this guy. What is his well, name again? This guy's name is Landon Lubin. Landon? Oh, he should change it to Blast Hard Cheese. Landon Lubin. Spink McRocket head. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he, this is a guy who's running in Republican primary against a sitting Republican state Senate candidate. So it's a very local race. It's not dog catcher. No. But state but it's legislature. State but this is... 
And the district is rural yeah. and very uh, conservative. Yeah, so, so you know, th- this, there's not going to be any surprises here. What this illustrates, I, th- I want to I really emphasize the point of even bringing this up, the depth of the bench on the Republican side and the degree to which the message of how you run for office as a conservative has seeped all the way down to the grassroots level. Yep. They're all selling the same lie. All of them are selling the same lie down to the freaking dog catcher. Yep. And so this young man is running for office and was asked if he would mind letting the Illinois minimum wage drop a dollar. Illinois minimum wage is eight twenty-five an hour. Would have, how would he feel about letting that fall? You're actually putting more people into poverty. He said that wouldn't bother me a bit. He said the, the federal level seven twenty-five is fine with me. That's where it needs to be. And when it comes to increasing it, I'm absolutely against it because I do not believe in any way, shape, or form, which is a phrase that should be retired, by the way. Mm-hmm. I do not believe in any way, shape, or form that it is the state government's position to dictate to businesses what they are to pay their employees. So <sighs> pro-slavery, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, again, ch- cheap labor, yep. working people till they drop for pennies is perfectly okay with young Mr. Republican. Mm-hmm. And and in general, the problem. T- guess what the problem is? Too much regulation. Those taxes need to come down. <laughs> and the uncalled for fees and regulations. All the red tape. All the red tape you could think of has. All the red tape you could think of has got to disappear, or it's got to be reined in. And this is where local reporters, bless their hearts, uh, actually occasionally ask questions. This is this is the question nobody will ever ask Joe Scarborough right. because nobody it will get close enough. He was asked later to identify. Which and I love how reg- they typed this in the article, too, by the way. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Asked later to identify such fees or regulations, Lubin said, honestly, I can't answer that question at this time. Those are things I'm digging into. <laughs> so We got to get rid of these taxes, fees, uh, uh, and regulations. Uh, Which ones? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm digging into that. And that's why you can't defeat the conservative narrative. Yeah. Because it is absolutely fact-free. It doesn't matter. There's nothing you're going to tell this guy. There's no chart, no graph, no sheaf of statistics, no parade of poor people, no history of the minimum wage that's going to change his mind because somebody sat him down and said, here's how you win as a conservative in America. You go out, you blame poor people, you talk about businesses, you talk about regulation and big government. That's it. You just say it over and over and over and over again, and you will win, young man. Maybe not today, but at some point you will be elected to public office. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. And the question, again, as, as as was pointed out in the guide for the married man, yeah, um, yeah. what happens if what happens if someone brings up facts? Deny, deny, deny. Well, what happens? Deny it. Just deny it. Just roll right past them. Take a lesson from your elders, son. Take a lesson from uh, John Boehner, Eric Cantor, Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, all the people that sort of run your party. When confronted with facts that absolutely prove that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about and that you're wrong, just roll right over them. Because the people you're talking to will go right along with you. And and so no amount of debate is ever going to shake conservatives loose of their narrative. What will shake them loose of their narratives is breaking their party, breaking their movement, and mm-hmm. making the centrists turn on them. Yep. And the way you make centrists turn on them is by defeating the both sides do it lie. Yep. Anyway, end of lesson. But that's that just I just flipped my local paper over, open, and boom, right there. Yep. Roger Ailes is in my local paper. Because that's that's him speaking. That's Roger Ailes talking through one of his many, many 
Acolytes. And one, yeah. 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 One of the people who've learned at his knee, learned the Fox News lesson, stick to these three talking points, deny anything else is important, and roll right on. And you'll do fine, my son. You'll do just fine. You'll get one of those good government jobs where they pay you. He's got the one thing that you need to be a Republican candidate. Good hair. Exactly. How did you know? He's got good hair. Landon Lauban has good yeah. hair. Yeah. And for all I know, he's a fine person and a good neighbor. Yeah. Um, I, I've, n- I've never he met sure, him. He I, sure, uh, the newspaper covered him well. I was but, proud of our, our local paper that, asking him, yeah. what regulations will you turn back? I don't know. Well, you I know, just know they're bad. I just, I just think that, you know, you should just be able to put cans of chemicals by the river and just leave them to nature, you know. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that, that ain't, that, that's probably, you know, again, I could, I could run for pu- public office as a Republican and do just fine. Yeah. Because I know all the answers to all the questions. Yep. Although one of them has faded from public view. You used to be able to just say 9-11 and get away with this shit. Yeah. Now you have to talk about jobs. Benghazi. Benghazi. IRS scandal. What IRS scandal? So life has gotten harder for... What IRS scandal? I want someone to say, what IRS scandal? Tell me about that. My email is full of IRS scandals information. (laughs) So there must be one because you couldn't say stuff that ain't true. On the computer. (laughs) So that's that's our little local lesson. The, 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 uh, we have some bad news, though. Yeah, Black, some yeah. really bad news. Yeah. I'm really sorry to report this. Yeah. Dick Black has pulled out. Oh, <laughs> that's just that's so sad. Dick yeah. Black pulls out Dick prematurely. Black. Did he pull out prematurely? Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> that will happen to Dick Black. Yeah. Dick Black pulled out prematurely because uh, he just I guess he just couldn't take the scrutiny of his yeah. wife's nighty yeah. next to him, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay because lots of Republicans have rushed to fill the void this week that yeah. Dick Black left. <laughs> you mean lots of little voids have rushed to fill the big void. Yeah. <laughs> that's correct. Wow. Multi- keep multiplying by zero. You'll get someplace eventually. <laughs> yes, indeed. Not a, and and we we don't even have to mention Huckabee and uh, no. Gomert. No. And Gomert. Gomert, who said. Louis Gomert, first of all, says, thank God for Fox News. Yeah. He would. And also, the reason he got into, do you know the reason he got into public life? Uh, because of welfare mothers. Yeah. That's they, why he became a congressman. Yeah. Was to stop welfare mothers from having yeah. 15 children. Yeah. And always getting a new check every time they had a child out yeah. of the box. Well, it works. I mean, I, I was down at the local CVS and, and buying condoms. They said, give me a pack of 15 Gomerts. <laughs> so... You know, got to roll a roll a Gomert on there. Uh, yeah, so Gomert is going to be for condoms. Yeah. And then my Urban Dictionary definition for Benghazi is going to be Lindsey Graham and Daryl Issa masturbating together on a bad gay porno couch. Yeah. And that's that's what Benghaziing is. Yeah. To Benghazi. <laughs> to Benghazi. Yes. It's the sound of Poco playing in the background. <laughs> Well, uh, and Louis Gomert can't be condoms because if if you push down one inch below the surface of welfare mothers, these are people who are not only opposed to abortion, but they're also opposed to birth control. Yeah. They don't want you paying for, you know, the libido, which brings us back to Huckabee. Libido. Yeah. And Huckabee. And he, he loves that word libido. He does. You know who else loves that word libido? Twitter. The Twitter. Twitter's yes. been doing a lot of libido movies, like uh, the first rule of libido club is no one talks about libido club. Uh huh. Well, and I I made my own contribution. Yeah. What was your? The, uh, I love the smell of libido in the morning. <laughs> yes, I do. So much time, so little libido. Wait a minute. Strike that. Reverse it. <laughs> you know what they call libido in Paris? Libido royale. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't ever take sides with anyone against libido again. Libido is for closers only. So they at some level know they're a joke. Yeah. 
And that's what's working for them, because then they can be the besieged, oppressed minority who the libidinous larger culture is out to destroy. And they can, as long as they have their core of true believers, and as long as they can sell them on the idea that that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and if only they, they need to buy their share in the moral or spiritual independence USA to save themselves. And again, every time something fucks up, every time something breaks, every time one of their dumb ideas goes south, there's probably a secret liberal conspiracy to blame for it. In between times when there are no actual things blowing up in the world, which is a rare thing, you just invent shit. Just make shit up. Roger Ailes has a hat box full of, like, like uh, I always got the impression that 30 Rock had a shoe box full of jokes to be inserted randomly when you needed it because of just funny shit that occurred to people. Sure, sure. And so you would have these non sequitur jokes on 30 Rock. I just have a feeling that, that Roger Ailes has a shoebox full of conspiracy theories to be pulled out and and promoted on slow news days. Oh, yeah. Sure he does. And sure he does. This and is and, and if, if that doesn't work, Baby in a Well is always available, you yeah. know? Well, you know. Missing White Girl is always out there someplace. Always. Um, I, there's another... Uh, candidate for the Congress whose last name is Black in yeah. Florida, yeah. Joshua Black. And he happens to be African-American. He's a Republican. Uh, and he's currently a taxi driver. Wait a minute. Really? Yeah, he's currently a taxi driver running for the Florida wow. House of Representatives. Uh-huh. Uh, but he has resigned from his post at the Pinellas County Republican Executive Committee at the request of the county chairman. Oh, he refuses well, to step down from the congressional race, even though Governor Rick Scott tweeted for him to step down. What? Now, why would Governor Rick Scott tweet to an African-American Republican candidate for Florida House of Representatives and ask him to step down? He's too bipartisan? That might be it. He's too reasonable? It has something to do with him tweeting that um, Barack Obama should be hung. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Um, apparently, he had to interrupt an interview because the Secret Service was there at his door. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, we'd like to talk to you about the, like thing, to you talk about, you about the thing you said on Twitter about the about president, the president of the United States. Uh -huh. and, and he will not. he's now doubling down on his statement. He said, if ordinary, really? if ordinary Americans should be executed for treason... So should he. Yeah. Step into the time machine just for a second. The Wayback Machine. <laughs> Jesse Helms. Yeah. Telling telling Bill Clinton that that uh, he shouldn't visit because, you know, yeah. he, you might, he might be might killed. Happen. Yeah. Something might happen. You know, be a pity if he something happened to if you. If anything happened to you in South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. And that's just the way these people are. Yep. That yep. really is just the He's way they not, are. Uh... So, so, Why would you back down, Freedom Honey? Why would you back away from a, a, an objectively true statement that is that is true because it's in my head, yeah. and therefore and, freedom? And I don't take orders from the governor of, of my of course state not. party. Leader. Of course not. There's a there is a market for this man in the Republican Party. Oh, absolutely. Now that Michael Steele has joined the MSNBC, yeah, no, um, this is this is and this is a way for people who want the president to be. You know, who who have fantasies of murdering the president of the United States. To uh, say, I'm not racist. <laughs> no. See? I, I voted for the guy who wants to hang the president. He happens to have black skin, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because, you know, that, because it's never true that there's a subset of every group on earth who loathe themselves and rent themselves out to their oppressors for money. Yeah. And eventually they come to believe what their oppressors say, because it's just a lot easier than going to the basement and facing yourself and realizing that your entire life is shit. Yep. So, good for you, Congress, Congress person. <laughs> 
running congressperson, I sincerely hope you keep your pie hole open <laughs> and just run yeah, that and, mouth, and, man. Yeah, just yeah. run so that that's, mouth. That's, that's, that's one Mr. Black who's not pulling out. So there you go. Well, that's good. Next week, we'll talk about how the good people of Missouri are ever going to get by paying for their kids' education now that they can't rely on cigarettes and gambling. Yeah. Because that's a tragedy. The, the revenue on cigarettes and gambling is dropping so precipitously that they're actually having to take money out of their general revenue to fund education. Also, two words. Yeah. Dinesh Defendant. Dinesh Defendant. The wingnut welfare trough mm -hmm. has been disrupted. Somebody's been lobbying, you know, live crabs into it or something because Governor Moocher is under indictment. Chris Christie apparently still exists in the world and he's in deep trouble. Dinesh D'Souza uh, is arraigned is, today. Has yep. been indicted on federal charges. Dinesh D'Souza, who you might remember from the awful. Uh, he, let's see, he's a disgraced college president, former college president. He is the uh, auteur of uh, some really extravagant right-wing hate porn movie called 2016, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he is the uh, inventor of the ghost of your anti-colonial ancestor dad mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. Newt Gingrich found so tasty, he just couldn't keep his hands off of it. Thus earning himself a 30-day penalty from Meet mm -hmm. the Press when, yep. when David Gregory had to find some other person to put in Newt Gingrich's chair. But after 30 days, Newt Gingrich came back and was spouting the same old horseshit because that's what David Gregory's good for. We also want to thank Deborah Nesbitt at Crooks and Liars. She sent out a uh, email about uh, that was a very hopeful story about uh -huh. Utah. Utah has more liberals in it than you might think. Yeah. Turns out. Uh -huh. And uh, Utah has done something fascinating with regards to reducing homelessness. You know what they did, Driftglass? Uh, started fudging the numbers? No. No? They, they gave homeless people homes. Ha! Ah, houses. <laughs> houses houses. Yeah. And, and a social worker. That's awesome. Assigned them a social worker and gave them a house. And having success with the social worker or moving towards self-sufficiency uh -huh. is not a requirement for keeping your house. You know... There, I, I don't remember the name of the comedian who who used to say, we don't have a homelessness problem, we have a houselessness problem. Mm -hmm. Home is this weird sociological construct that come, that has memory associated with it and lots of other psychological and emotional attachments. A house is a place to get in out of the weather that you can live. Mm -hmm. We have a houselessness problem. Yeah. We have people well, who don't have houses, and Utah's giving them to them. We have an unwed mother problem. In this country, apparently, according to Louis Gomer. And and, and and that would, he doesn't realize or he doesn't want to realize, his eyes are closed to the fact that if you uh, put poor men in houses instead of prison, uh -huh. uh, they'd get married yeah. <laughs> to the mothers yeah. of their children. It's weird. I don't, and I, I won't... That's just a, that's been true for hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. That men get married when they have their own roof over their head. That's yeah. what it takes. Civilization. Civilization. So, um, and David Brooks also has an unwed mother problem this week, which I will not get into. But oh, this yeah, is, you have to. No, no, I, 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 I will he didn't get, get someone pregnant, did he? No, 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 no. Okay. But he has a long column about what to do about poverty. And this is again, this is part seventeen of my my ongoing series. Is David Brooks actually writing about his divorce? Yeah, he is. Uh, he absolutely is through the filter of some bullshit sociology yeah. but so far he's covered he just crosses off dear diary and, and publishes and does a copy change to whatever sociological topic he's talking about but it's been you know musing about divorce musing about suicide talking about how cool hotels are and, and don't touch my stuff and don't touch my stuff and you know yes i do know what's best for you mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. it, it's just kind of when you realize that oh yes he, he absolutely is 
extrapolating from his sad, sad divorce story. Yeah. And I'm not particularly from. crying any tears over it. I'm just saying. It, but it's it's a fascinating thing to look at yeah. from, from that angle. Well, and it's, if, if you, for example, ever read Edgar Allan Poe and read The Mask of the Red Death or quote The Raven and then realize that his wife was dying in the next room as he wrote yeah. The Raven yeah. or realize that lots of people in his immediate circle, people he loved, people he depended on, died of consumption and blood yep. diseases. Yep. Oh, now I get it. Now I get why this writer chose this venue to tell this story. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I find, I just find it really interesting to match up what's going on in the lives of, of writers that I, I read with what they're producing at the moment. And there, mm -hmm. there really is a connection. It's there just is. interesting Oftentimes to me. Oftentimes there really is a connection. I also wanted to thank Deborah Nesbitt for pointing out that Indiana is spending money uh, drug testing welfare recipients with a P test. Oh, good. But they don't have the money to keep ice off the roads. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know and what? Uh, you know what melts ice, honey? Pee. Pee. I'm just saying. <laughs> Pee with win, a little win. meth in it. We sure just gonna sprinkle it on the road. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> you know who never had to? You know who never had to pass a pee test? Bob McDonald. Bob, Bob McDonald. <laughs> I bet. I bet he never had an ultrasound either. Yeah. But he's about to. Oh, you're terrible. Welcome to the discovery process. Here we go. Thank God for Fox. Yeah. I just wanted to say that one more time. All right. Each week we post to our Facebook page and website an internet kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's internet kitty... Wait, who did you type here? This is... Sorry. It's a football player who's... who's, <laughs> who's go ahead. You read this stuff. This week's internet kitty is Richard Sherman. He would like you to stop talking about him. So. Well, that's not this week's internet no, kitty. No, no. That's just me being goofy and, and sleepy and doc. <laughs> Uh, actually, Jerry is this week's Internet Kitty, and, and I know this is radio. I hope you'll go to our website and Facebook page and take a look at this picture of Jerry. Yes. Uh, Jerry is not allowed up on the kitchen counter, and in this photographic evidence, he is sitting in the kitchen sink, and his tongue is out. Yes. He may be committing a misdemeanor. <laughs> we are, you know, we're not sure, uh -huh. but uh, he did release a statement. Would you like me to read Jerry's statement? I think the Jerry's statement uh, is an important one for America to hear, honey. Okay. The claim that I drank water from the kitchen sink is not only false, but is illogical and does not withstand scrutiny when all of the facts are examined. Any suggestion that I prefer sink water to bowl water is completely false. The suggestion that anyone in my administration would lick the kitchen faucet for any reason is wholly and completely false. Frankly, I'm surprised that this podcast has chosen to mischaracterize the conversation I had with them about feline hydration in the kitchen. What can I say? But as a mother and a patriot, I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of uh, Jerry for sticking up for Jerry's rights. Yeah. And the liberal media conspiracy, something, something, something. <laughs> By the way, if you go over to my blog, uh, you will find a number of examples this week because so much shit hit the fan. Uh, Rush Limbaugh saying, oh, I, I read I get, that post. you know, that, well, Bob McDonald's problem, yeah, he was too bipartisan. <laughs> and, and see what and good it did him? He should have, what was it about ego, too? He was talking about ego. Oh, he wrote, he wrote this, he, he broadcast. Yeah. I was listening as I zipped around our town to him talk about, oh, I know something about egos. <laughs> Uh, oh, this will be good. I know something about egos. I know something about, you know, the largeness and getting lost in your own mind. And, you know, there are people out there like Barack Obama who uh, who just sits around all day thinking about himself. 
and doesn't think about others. He thinks about himself. I just know that. And he just went on this riff about there. You know, this was this was the football player who said something that was, you know, uh, unintelligible. It, it had no context. And he just was like the, the ego of this guy is huge because he thought everyone knew what he was talking about. Just like Barack Obama. And then, of course, because Rush Limbaugh is a racist asshole, it became a riff on Barack Obama's overweening ego and how I'm not I don't think it's true. I know it's true. I know Barack Obama just sits around all day thinking about himself and how wonderful he is, says the man with the single largest ego on planet. Wow. Yeah. And again, it's at some level, he knows that his audience is just too stupid to pick up on this. Mm -hmm. And whatever comes dribbling out of his ass is gold to them. But the, the flip, and then, you know, a, a, a day later, it's the problem with Bob McDonald is he was too bipartisan. Yeah. And then Dinesh D'Souza, the problem with Dinesh, I, I waited for it. I waited an hour and on Fox News blog, on came one of his film collaborators saying that he's being falsely persecuted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because, he, and again, it's, it's the answer to every question is you're never conservative enough. Yeah. The problem with you is you try to be nice to these liberal mm-hmm. monsters and they'll always turn on you. It's not that you're a criminal or a liar or a hypocrite or not a fucking word you say makes any sense. It's liberals are due to blah, blah, blah. You need to cooperate with them, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that that's our narrative now. That's that's our national narrative. On the right, that is, that is all they have. And they just repeat that as a mantra over and over and over again. So, yeah, that was, uh, that, that's probably Jerry's problem. <laughs> Jerry was not conservative enough. Something, something, freedom, something, something, capitalism. Anyway. What was wrong with that lieutenant governor? I mean, she was reading that statement like a second grader was taking it down and she had to do it one word at a time. I I think she um, was trying to pull off a really excellent Christopher Walken impersonation. Oh, wow. But you can't do that because I can't do Christopher Walken. Mm -hmm. Nobody can do Christopher Mm -hmm. Walken Mm -hmm. because the pauses in his sentences and the words he emphasized are strictly a production of some other dimension which is occupied only by Christopher Walken. That's true. So don't even try. You'll hurt yourself and you'll sound foolish. Except for you, Kevin Spacey, because you do a pretty good Christopher Walken. <laughs> you can send your internet kitty to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, where you can also write to both of us. Please write to us. We love hearing from you. And be aware if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service Go Postal Unions letter on the air, unless you say otherwise. So, Driftglass, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties are sick and tired of these white thugs on dope and they're drag racing, ruining America. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, lovey dovey. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Left Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2014, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast.